This past week in our 260 reading through the, through the New Testament, we've been in the book of 1 Peter, and it doesn't always work out this way in our 260 reading, but we started on with the first chapter of 1 Peter on Monday, and by Friday, we finished the whole book of 1 Peter, because it's only five chapters. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we read right through 1 Peter, very cool. And one of the things that you may have noted if you were reading along with this is that there is one particular theme that runs entirely through the book of 1 Peter. And it's what we're gonna be talking about this morning. It's suffering. (laughs) Happy Thanksgiving to you. (laughs) Suffering. It is a theme that is, it literally, it's, Peter talks about it 17 different times. If you're counting through all the times he talks about suffering, 17 different times, and those 17 different occasions of talking about, about suffering are literally in every single one of those five chapters from beginning to end. It is the theme that ties the entire book of 1 Peter together. In fact, if you're like reading something really cool in, in 1 Peter, like, you know, we are his chosen people, you know, you know, royal people. I mean, it's like all these beautiful things that are stated in 1 Peter. If you read carefully, he's probably talking about suffering. Because it, suffering is before, in the middle, at the end. It, it's what weaves all of the thoughts of 1 Peter together are about suffering. And we don't have to go into a really big definition of suffering because you all have experienced it. No one is immune to suffering. No one is immune. Like you can't get an inoculation and like, you know, no more suffering. We all experience pain, traumas, sorrows, distress in our lives. All of us whether you are a follower of Jesus or not. It's common to all of humanity. And part of the challenge of suffering is that sometimes it surprises us where it can come from. You know, because it comes like from our relationships, sometimes even those closest to us hurt us the most. It comes sometimes emotionally in surprising ways. You know, when we deal with just the anguish in our own soul. Sometimes it comes in our minds and things that we just are wrestling with and there's anxiety and depression and all these things that can just wanna lock us up inside and all of it, all of it is related to suffering. So we don't need to go into like a huge definition because we all go, yeah, I've, I've been there. In fact, I was thinking this week reading through 1 Peter about suffering in my own story. And I, I remember the, if I, the very first suffering that I can recall in my life is I was a very, very little boy um, and had just incredible earaches. Like the kind of earaches, even like right now, if I really concentrate and think about it, I can still kind of feel the pain that I was experiencing. And it was the first like, suffering, you know, when you're a little kid, there's not a lot of suffering typically, but I remember it very, very distinctly. But also, kind of during that same season, I remember a different kind of suffering because my mom and my dad 
were oftentimes at each other's throats in these violent arguments. It wasn't physical, but man, it did torment in my soul. In fact, I was just a really little guy. I think he was about three years old, and the doctor told my parents, if you don't stop fighting, your, your son's going to have an ulcer before he gets to kindergarten. Because it was just tormenting me. I was dealing with all this suffering. And then fast forward to like my high school years, and I remember sitting across the table with my dad at a restaurant when I was in high school, and tears just start gushing from my face right out in public in front of everybody when my dad tells me that he's planning on leaving my mom. Listen, we all deal with suffering. I've dealt with sorrows and setbacks. I've been let go from jobs. Um, I've had a cancer diagnosis. I, you know, just the stuff that we confront in life, I've been there. But here's what I know. There are some of you in this room that have dealt with suffering to a much higher degree than I ever, ever have. And some of you are in the middle of it now. Some of it isn't gonna be complete or done until you're with Jesus face to face. But here is what I am so confident in is that even in the middle of suffering, you are loved by God. And we read in Hebrews chapter four that, that we have a God who empathizes with us because he has experienced all of the things of life that we have. So we don't have a God who is like dispassionate and removed and doesn't care. No, he cares deeply about our suffering. So today, can we bring our suffering to the feet of Jesus and see if there's something that we can learn from Peter, in First Peter here, that would help to like give us some thoughts about God, why, why is suffering part of my story? Even when I've turned my life to you, why, why is suffering still a part of my journey? Wouldn't it be good if we could like learn something like positive to take away from this real life experience? So you ready? In 1 Peter chapter one, it's, it's almost like he gives us a, a preview of what he's gonna be dealing with in the rest of the five chapters. But I wanna read 1 Peter one verses three through seven in this kind of these introductory thoughts and we're gonna find suffering right in the middle of it, of course. He starts off by saying, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. I love those words, and we're going to be actually be coming back to those words at the very end of this message, but can you say new birth, new birth. living hope? Those two thoughts are very connected. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, 
Let's let pause right there. There, there is kind of a, he's foreshadowing right there with those words. He's like, I'm gonna about to like break, break into some conversation about suffering right here. So you need to remember right now that this inheritance that we have in Christ, nothing can take it away. No pain, trauma, suffering, sorrow, nothing can take it away. He says right there that we have this inheritance that can never perish. Spoil or fade. In fact, this inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Then he goes on in verse six. In all of this, you greatly rejoice. Though now, for a little while, you may have to have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. One of the things that we can imagine about suffering, because it's just a very human thought, is that somehow our suffering, somehow our pain would invalidate, invalidate, like void the goodness of God. That somehow those things are completely incompatible, that how can God be good if there is suffering? And we can imagine, well, how would that even be possible? I believe that First Peter is a gift to us because it confronts that very idea. And actually what we see through the book of First Peter is that the opposite is true. That God's goodness is there even in the middle of suffering. And Peter shows us how God can redeem our suffering and actually use it for our good. Do you remember there's, there's a scripture in another place that Paul wrote in Romans 8.28 that says that God's gonna use everything for our good. Everything is gonna be used for our good, for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. So God I want to be called according to your purpose. I want there to be significant purpose in my life. So God, what is the purpose of pain and suffering? All right. Let's dive into that. What purpose could suffering possibly have? Let's go back and look at just those last couple of verses that we just read because this is what helps to unpack this a bit. In verse six and seven, First Peter one, Peter says this. He says, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested. What is being tested? Our faith. Our faith is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is much more precious than mere gold. 
So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. What purpose does suffering have? It proves that our faith is genuine. Have you ever, like, come across something that was not genuine? Any fake? Any fake news? Any, any, any things that are fake? Um, if you've ever been to the streets of New York, you, you find that there are people, like, lining the streets. I've, I've only been there a couple of times, but it's kind of interesting. I mean, lining the streets, all these fake, like, luxury products. They're not real, but you can get them really cheap, right? This this past week, did you see in the news that they raided this one huge warehouse? It had over 200,000 fake luxury items, like designer bags and shoes and clothing and all this stuff. They, they estimated that the, the street value of those fake products was over a billion dollars. And they just scooped it up. Why? Because it's fake. Because it devalues the real thing. The only bummer is, where am I going to do my Christmas shopping now? So, <laughs> I can't afford a, a Rolex for my wife, but I might be able to afford a Folex, if you know what I mean. So, they swept those right off the street. But in here, we read that God views our faith as more valuable than gold more valuable. But its, it's value comes in the fact that it is genuine. And, and here we, we come to the realization that if there is a genuine faith, then there must also be a faith that is not genuine. Yikes, okay, right? We have to wrestle with that. If there's a genuine faith, that means that there's a faith that's a fake faith. And it says that the, the way that we find out whether our faith is genuine or is something less is through the fires of suffering. Suffering is this fire testing of our faith. This purifying that if we come out the other end, if we come out the other side, what we discover is that the suffering indeed served a purpose, a really good purpose, and that is to show that our faith is one that is absolutely genuine. So that's great, Pete. Yay, okay. Fire testing of my faith. But how can I know if when I'm in the middle of this painful trial, this suffering, this situation that is so distressing to my soul. How can I know if I am actually passing this fire test or if I'm just experiencing excruciating pain? Wouldn't it be good to know if I am actually passing this test, proving that my faith is genuine? And Pete says, I got you. Because in the book of First Peter, he gives us at least four things that show whether or not our faith is genuine when we are in the middle of suffering. 
I believe these things are really insightful and helpful. So let's kind of unpack these four over the next minutes together, okay? When we're in the middle of the fire, the first kind of proof of our faith is genuine is that we keep on trusting. That we keep on trusting even in the middle of the fire. The very next verses that, that Peter writes, right after he says, there's gonna be suffering for, for a season, it's gonna you know, test your faith and prove that it's genuine. The very next verses are verse eight and nine, and this is what Peter says. Though you do not see him now, talking about back to Jesus, referencing Jesus, though you do not see Jesus now, you trust him. And you rejoice with a glorious inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. Woo! Listen, it's one thing to love a God that we've never seen. Okay, that's kind of like the beginning of faith. Like when we like, God, I love you. I, I can't see you, but I, I believe that you're there and I'm... I'm I'm sensing your love and I'm, I'm, I'm loving you. But it's another thing altogether when we're going through suffering and we can't see him. Like, God, where are you? But you know what we do? We continue trusting. And that always is based on his word, what he has said. And here's, here's what we come to realize, that when we, when we trust in the promises of God, even in the midst of suffering, we cannot see the promise maker, but we still put our trust in what he has promised us. Trust in an invisible God. Though you don't see him now, you trust him. And the reward for trusting him is gonna be your salvation because you have a proven faith. This is a major way that our faith is proven genuine. So if, if we're supposed to believe in his promise, even though we can't see him, what has he promised? If we go all the way to the very last verses of 1 Peter, here's what we read. And again, it's about suffering. <laughs> here's what he says in 1 Peter 5.10. He says this, and the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Come on now, that's a good promise. And you know what? It's about suffering. But it's about that suffering is temporary. Like we, we just read back in verse six and seven, after you've suffered a little while, and it's that same kind of thing right here, after you've suffered a little while, he himself is gonna restore you. So you know what we trust in, even though we can't see him, and sometimes we don't see him showing up right in the middle of the storm, right in the middle of the fire, we don't always. We still had his word. We still have his promise. God, this suffering is temporary. 
I don't know what your temporary is going to be. But you know, even if your temporary is for your entire lifetime, and some of us, we know that that's the reality because of situations, maybe because of disease or diagnosis or things that we bear in our soul. Some of that is for a lifetime, but guess what? Life is short. (laughs) Oh, eternity is long. This may feel like we're bearing suffering for a long time, but in the, in the eyes of eternity, guess what, guys? This is a little while. But praise the Lord, not all suffering lasts a lifetime. Sometimes our little while ends, boom, when God says, now, now is done. I'm restoring you now. I'm healing you now. I'm working in you now to bring freedom and to bring healing to your soul. So the first test is that test of trust. Will you keep trusting me in the middle of your suffering? And so our response, God, I will trust in the promise of your word because I trust in you. No matter what else is going on. Second thing that Peter unpacks for us in the book of 1 Peter about suffering in the second test in the middle of the fire, keep on enduring, 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 enduring. Church, hold fast, hold fast, endure, keep pressing through. Do not give up, do not give in, keep on going. It's in the second chapter of 1 Peter that he drops this on us. He says, how is it to your credit? If you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it, like how's that to your credit? You're just like paying your dues. You blew it, you're paying the penalty. What's that to your credit, right? But then he goes on, but if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called. Uh Uh-oh. God, what's the calling in my life? Oh, what was it? If you suffer for doing good, and you endure it. This is commendable before God. To this you are called. Why? Because Christ suffered for you. Oh, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Just pause for a second there and think about that. My very salvation, the new life, And new hope born in me came through the suffering of my Savior, the sinless one who took my sin upon himself and was betrayed, humiliated, tortured, and killed on a cross. Suffering that even if they tried to do all those things to me wouldn't have the same impact because I am sinful. (laughs) The sinless one bore all those things. He suffered for me. He suffered for you. So if suffering was the entry point into my salvation, don't I think that 
some suffering probably would be part of my spiritual journey? Yeah, I think so. Keep on going. Endure it. This, to this you were called. And then he goes on, and I, and I love that he does. A couple verses later, he says how we should follow in his steps. He says, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Couple of things here. One, he says that enduring, patiently walking through times of suffering without giving up or giving in, he says, this is commendable. I love those words. What does that mean? Commendable by God. It's like God is looking from heaven and he's saying, yes, that's my boy. That's my girl. You are doing well. You are doing right. Yes, you get it. You are enduring even during times of real trial and challenge and you're in the middle of the fire and he's saying, but you keep, you're not giving up. That is commendable. I commend you. I mean, being commended is cool. Like, if you're commended at work, it means like, whoa, you're like, get your face on the poster. You're like the employee of the month or whatever. And that's kind of like what he's saying here. He's like in heaven. Like, he's like, angels, check out my daughter. You're, she is the believer of the month. Genuine faith, employee of the month. Here she is. You are being commended by God because you are enduring. Why are you being commended? Because your faith has been proved genuine. You're not giving up. And then he gives us these examples of what endurance looks like, not lashing out. How easy is it, especially when it's another person who is causing our suffering, to want to retaliate, to want to like, okay, no one else is gonna protect me, so I'm gonna protect myself. I'm gonna throw down against this person who's like causing suffering in my life. He says, yeah, that's not the steps that Jesus took. And he says, he gave us an example of how we should actually live through these suffering moments. He did not retaliate. Oh, so to endure means God to trust you, the righteous and just judge. That God, if that person needs any correcting or discipline, and boy, do they. You are going to be the one to do that, not me. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Don't take vengeance on your own. And that's what we're getting at here. It's part of this enduring. But can I pause just for a second and say this? Enduring does not mean that you should stay in an abusive harmful situation. If you have an abusive spouse, you need to like take a step out and back and get help and figure this out. You don't stay in a place and like, God said to endure, to prove my, so I'm just gonna like take these beatings or this verbal abuse or psychological trauma. Oh, no, 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 you, you've, you've suffered. Don't stay in there just to prove something because that's not about your faith. That, that's about actually empowering that abuser. 
So if it's in your place of work, if it's in your home, no, 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 we don't, we don't mess around with that. We clear? And, and enduring also doesn't mean that that person who caused that suffering doesn't have a penalty that they should pay. Sometimes that means reporting it to the police. But that's, is that enduring? That has nothing to do with that. That means that they have their own journey that they have to walk out and there are consequences for our actions. But as we endure, trusting God, even in the middle, says that our faith is proven genuine. What's the third thing? Third thing is this, and this is the most counterintuitive of all four. Keep on praising in the middle of the fire. Keep on praising. Four different times in these short five chapters, Paul talks about praising or rejoicing in the middle of suffering. One of them we already read, but I'm gonna point it back out to you again, 1 Peter 1, 6. In all of this, you greatly rejoice, because he was just talking about our salvation and this living hope inside of us. He says, in all this, you greatly rejoice, though now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Listen, it's one thing to endure with gritted teeth. I'm gonna walk through this, but I hate it. I am miserable, and I'm gonna let everybody know about my misery. Arr, you know? It's one thing to endure with gritted teeth, but what we see here is that our endurance is actually to bear something completely different. And it's that as we are enduring, we're praising. As we're enduring, we're reflecting on, oh, God, you are the God of all grace. You are the God of all mercy. I don't understand this all, but God, I can trust in you. God, your praise will ever be on my lips. There is nothing that is gonna take away my praise and my, my honoring of you. God, I praise you. I don't know how long this, la this is gonna last, but I do know this, that trouble comes for a night, but the joy comes in the morning, that there is something else that you have for me in my story, and that God, I am gonna just keep praising you, worshiping you, thanking you for all that I do have, even in the middle of the suffering. There's this incredibly beautiful picture in Acts chapter 16, where we see two of our heroes of our faith, Paul and his boy Silas, and they're actually in the city of Philippi, which we get the book of Philippians. And, and the, the coolest thing is that it's something that happens in their story, but it comes through suffering. They, they get accused, they get like arrested, and when they're arrested, there's this big you know, argument going on. So they get Beaten. It says they are beaten very severely with wooden rods. Now being beaten with a wooden rod, that sounds bad enough, but being beaten severely, they, they weren't messing around. This was a beat down on Paul and Silas. Then they were thrown into prison. But then here's what we read. Acts 16, 25, around midnight. Ah, oh, those words. Because you know that beating happened way earlier than midnight. 
You know, sometimes it takes a while before those bruises to really set in. Around midnight, you're really feeling it. Around midnight, you're like, oh, my joints are aching and these prisons were not luxury accommodations. You know, this is not like being put up at the Ramada or whatever. This is like dank, rock, hard, chains. This is brutal. And this is after they'd been severely beaten. And now they're feeling every blow around midnight. What are they doing? (laughs) Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying, singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. Why? Because a genuine faith is irresistible. When people see a genuine faith, like what is going on with you? This is not normal. This is not natural that like you are continuing to praise God and endure even in the middle of this crisis, even in the middle of the fire. This is not normal. So people start watching. Could it be that like we're gonna have the greatest opportunity to witness about Jesus through our suffering and people watching and saying, what are they gonna do now? Oh man, they said they trusted in Jesus, but now look at this crisis they're going through. Could it be that our biggest opportunity to share about Jesus is because people are watching in the middle of our pain. The others were listening because a genuine faith is irresistible. Hmm. We trust, we endure, we praise, and then the final thing is this. Number four, we keep doing good, even in the middle of the fire. We keep doing good. We keep doing good. It's in chapter four that Peter says this in verse 19. He says, so even if you should suffer now for doing God's will, continue doing good and trust your futures to the judgment and mercy of a faithful creator. Even if you should be suffering now, keep doing good and keep trusting in Jesus. Listen, don't let your trial be an excuse to stop serving others. Don't let your suffering be an excuse to stop using the gifts that God has given you, that he instilled in you. Don't let suffering, pain, trauma, somehow stop you from being his ministering presence, just like we saw in Paul and Silas. They just kept ministering. They just kept, no, we're gonna sing loud enough for others to hear. Like, we're just gonna keep ministering. We're gonna keep doing what we do because we're the people of God. And we don't stop. We don't stop. Listen, we don't know what kind of crises are ahead of us in our world. What are we gonna do as a church when it hits the fan, right? Come on, just be realistic. We're way overdue for a big earthquake. How is Santa Maria Forest Court Church gonna respond like when Santa Maria has an earthquake? How are we gonna care for others? How are we gonna care for our neighbors? How are we gonna care for one another? 
I think we should put that on our, on our minds. What about if the United States ends up embroiled in one of these wars that keeps being predicted and people are filled with grief and sorrow and some literally suffering through maybe the loss of lives of loved ones? How are we gonna care? What if, what if it's us that's suffering? How are we gonna keep ministering? How are we gonna keep doing good? How are we gonna keep showing the life of Jesus to those around us? How is any of this possible, friends? We, I, you know, I talk about it like is this like, you know, distant thing, you know? We're reflecting today, kind of putting on the armor of Christ today because there, there will be suffering tomorrow. But how is any of this possible? I wanna take us back and we're gonna finish just by remembering what Peter said right before he started talking about suffering. He said that we have been given a new birth. It's awesome. I've been born again, bro. Right, it's that salvation. It's like I went from death to life because I put my trust in Jesus. That's good. That's, but you know what? Peter's reflecting on that that's like a starting point because he says this. He says that you've been given a new birth into a living hope. You know how any of this is possible? Because we're not called to have like this dead hope or this somehow, this, this hope that does not impact my life. No, it is a living hope. Can you say those words, living hope? Living hope. That means that this hope is meant to be alive within me. This new life that I have in Jesus is, is reflected outward through this hope that is alive, that cannot be killed. It says that it's like being preserved for me. It's protect this hope that I have. That no matter what I am going through, this hope cannot be snuffed out. That's how any of these things are possible. How can I keep trusting? How can I keep enduring? How can I keep praising? How can I keep doing good in the middle of suffering? Because I have a living hope within me. It is alive. And because it's alive, it influences every part of who I am. My relationships. How I love my neighbor how I can keep pressing forward no matter what else is going on in my story and in the world around me. Friends, do you have that living hope? Because <laughs> I'll tell you, none of this is gonna make sense if you don't have that living hope. If you don't have that new birth within you what Jesus says, hey, my father sent me for one reason and that was yeah. to give my life for you so that you could have life eternal. If you don't have that like new birth, none of this is gonna make sense. But that new birth isn't just to stay there and to stop. It's to be manifest in this living hope. New life that leads to living hope. Do you have it? Yes, you can. And it just starts by saying, yes, Jesus. Yes. I trust you. 
I trust what you did for me. Lord, that through your suffering, I might be made free. That because of your suffering and your death, Lord, I can have life. And I receive it. I receive it. I say yes to you. Let's pray. God, this is a challenging Thanksgiving message. Because <laughs> we're dealing with the stuff of life, the, the real things, the challenges, the, the pain points, the traumas, literally the suffering. Lord, that is common to all of us. And Lord, we know that this suffering was never your original intent or design. Lord, you created a world that was good and perfect in every way. It was because of people, people just like us, that introduced sin and brokenness into your perfect world. And suffering has been this just, mm, the outflow of sin. But God, you came to deal with sin. You came to deal with it right at its root level and to bring forgiveness, to bring wholeness, to bring freedom. Lord, from being people that are trapped in that sin and the cycle of brokenness. So Jesus, I pray right now for my friends and Lord, whether they're here in person or they're listening or watching online, God, I pray that right in this moment, Lord, there'd be a cry in people's hearts to say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I don't want to suffer without a purpose. Jesus, I don't want to surface, I don't want to suffer in, in a way that just makes no sense, that all it is is pain. God, if there can be meaning to the things that I go through in life, the Lord, that it, there is this process of being proven, tested, that my faith is real, then God, then I, that's what I want. But friends, it starts by saying yes to him and receiving this new life, this living hope. And if that's you, if, if you want that living hope, if you want that new life, then just say yes to him today. But like, just say yes. Say yes to him. If that's you, man, I would love to say yes with you. Look up at me, raise your hand, say, Pastor Tim, I'm saying yes to him. Yeah, yes. Yes, amen, Maria. Yes, yeah, Ben, yeah, yes, 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 Jesus, yes, yes. God, thank you for your work in our lives. Thank you that when we suffer, it's not because we're abandoned. It's because we're following in your steps. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Hey, one of the cool things about being a church is that even though we know suffering exists, we don't suffer alone. And uh, we have people that are gonna be right here, in a, right now, our prayer team. I know they're gonna materialize even as I'm talking about them. If you're going through any pain points right now, we, we don't want you to leave without receiving prayer and ministry. Please find one of these trusted leaders just to come alongside of you, to pray with you because you are not in this alone. We're in this together as his family, as his people. Amen.
Isn't God good? Yeah. Yes, he's good. Yes, he's good. I'm thankful to be here with you, friends. If you said yes to Jesus but have not yet been baptized in water, go for it. We're going to be doing baptisms next Sunday. And right when you walk out of these glass doors, you're going to turn right, and then immediately on your left in the courier room, Ken's going to take a few minutes to explain what that is and to give you an opportunity to be baptized next Sunday. So don't leave without, like, checking in with Ken because we want you to experience every single thing that Jesus has for you. And our first yes is saying yes to salvation. Our next yes is like doing that publicly, going public by saying, Jesus, I want to be baptized. I want to be baptized in your name. And so you're going to find out more in the moments ahead. Lots going on. If you did not pick up a Christmas calendar, please pick one up on your way out so you don't miss out on anything, including the very first thing, which is next Saturday, this coming Saturday, the 2nd of December. Come and join us for the parade. Your love, church. Have an incredible, incredible Sunday. Great week. You are loved. Thanks.